And good day, friends. Thanks for joining us here on the Western Ag Network's Fence Lines and Headlines. If you're streaming on YouTube, Twitter, X, whatever it's called nowadays, Facebook Live, or uh, joining us on the audio portion located on the Lancaster Ag podcast platforms, we appreciate you being here with us today. We're going to talk about a few of the top headlines impacting ranchers across farmers and ranchers across Western Ag Network country. And, uh, we have a special guest that will be joining us a little bit later. Our network's Russell Nimitz. He's on assignment, a.k.a. he's kicked his feet up and he's relaxing on vacation this weekend. So uh, it's going to be me and and, and uh, a friend of ours that uh, uh, is an agricultural broadcaster as well. Uh, Jason Laird with Campbell and Radio will be joining us here in a little bit. And you also may know Jason as a meteorologist. So we are going to have him join us and, and talk about some of our ag headlines, but also give a quick forecast on what producers can expect here in the short term. Uh, some of those headlines we're going to talk about here today is a move by the Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson in terms of asking for a stay in terms of the BLM's decision on bison grazing in Phillips County. We're also going to talk about that issue that just won't go away, it seems, that being the waters of the U.S. rule. The Biden administration has updated that rule, and it came out this past week. And also for all of you farmers and tractor enthusiasts out there, we're going to have an update on that brand new Big Bud tractor. It made its uh, uh, second official debut at the Farm Progress Show. And uh, as we mentioned, Jason Laird will join us, and we're going to have a quick uh, forecast with him here later in the report. But before we get to that, as we mentioned, Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson has called on Federal Appeals Board officials to overturn a Bureau of Land Management final decision that rubber-stamped a controversial and locally opposed change-of-use permit to allow bison grazing on several allotments in Phillips County, Montana. Earlier this week, our network's Russell Nimitz caught up with Attorney General Knutson on what this appeal means. Well, wild bison are certainly a sore subject of sorts with Montana ranchers, especially in Phillips County. And rightfully so, and that's why groups like the Montana Stock Growers, Montana Public Lands Council, Montana Farm Bureau, and even the state of Montana itself have made wild bison management such a top priority. With us now is Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson. And Austin, give us the latest on this very important issue to Montana's ranching industry, more specifically APR's wild bison in Phillips County and the federal government. Yeah, so the latest is we are still in front of a federal appeals judge within the BLM. We, we have to go through their administrative appeals process before we can get into federal court. I think we probably end up there anyway, but this is a step we have to take. But look, we're in front of an appeals judge right now. We just this week, we, the state of Montana, my office, filed a motion for summary judgment. What we're asking for is for a final determination from this, this judge. We don't need this to go any further. Judge, you have enough information. You can rule on this now. Uh, we believe that the BLM is pretty flagrantly violating the Taylor Grazing Act. State or federal law is very clear. Bison are not livestock. That federal land, the priority use is livestock grazing. And livestock, as you know, is a defined term. Buffalo, bison doesn't appear in federal code anywhere. So uh, what, what, what's happened here is BLM, BLM has stepped in and they've kind of shoehorned in this term indigenous livestock. It's a nonsense term doesn't exist anywhere in federal code. They created it out of thin air. And that's really the basis for our action here. So that's where we are. We're hopeful we get a good ruling. How frustrating is it for those in Montana's livestock industry, including you? I mean, your family's involved with the livestock industry yeah. here in Big Sky Country, that we're even having to talk about this issue after the BLM opened this issue up for public comment. We had some virtual meetings. You and the governor had uh, an in-person meeting or two overwhelmingly heard opposition from Montana's livestock industry, and here we are still talking about this. Well, I mean, this is what happens when you've got Deb Hallen, who is the head of Interior, and you've got Tracy Stone Manning, who is a radical liberal from right here in Montana, who is in charge of the Federal Bureau of Land Management. Uh, this, this is what happens when you get radical leftists like this in these positions of power. They start trying to pass regulations and do things that aren't even in federal code. 
it's extremely frustrating. You know, the, the quote unquote, you know, public comment session that BLM had, it was, it was virtual. They did it in the middle of summertime and on, on a weekday at two o'clock in the afternoon when they knew all the farmers and ranchers in Phillips County were out in the hay fields. That was intentional. So what did my office do? We went and we did an in-person, actual public listening session. I couldn't believe it, Russell. It was a Thursday afternoon, Wednesday or Thursday. I bet we had 400 people show up in the auditorium in Malta. I was amazed. I thought there'd be at least be somebody who was in favor of this BLM move. 100% of the people who attended, the locals who attended, were opposed to this action. It's incredibly frustrating to see this coming out of Washington, D.C., and then just trying to shove it down our throats here in Montana. Austin, describe to, while we're doing this interview, for folks outside of Montana, how dangerous of a precedent this could set uh, for other states uh, who could be facing similar issues like this in the future. It's extremely dangerous. This, this should be concerning to, it, to attorneys general, governors, legislators across the country. If a federal agency can step in and change the use of federal land, change federal law with just the stroke of a pen, uh, a, a, a regulation change at the, at, the, at the agency level, that's pretty staggering. When you talk about national parks, you can talk about, you know, federal lands, grazing lands, but I mean, this, this could go further. We could really open Pandora's box here if this is allowed to stand. I don't think we're in danger of that. I really don't. The U.S. Supreme Court has been very clear in the last couple of years. It does not look kindly on agencies taking this kind of sweeping, law-changing actions at the agency level. Uh, we've got a number of cases that are very clear on that. So I think if we end up having to go to the U.S. Supreme Court, I, I think BLM is going to get slapped down pretty hard here. Hey, lastly, uh, as we uh, wait for a, a decision regarding your, your last filing and, and just wait for more on this big issue, I mean, what can farmers and ranchers do, not just in Phillips County, not just here in Montana, but everywhere where this issue matters to them be doing? Well, I mean, stay in touch with your, with your federal delegation, I would say, first and foremost. Secondly, vote. Pay attention to how you're voting and who you're voting for. I mean, you've got to realize that, I mean, these, these kind of policies come from, they, they come from the halls of Congress and from some members of our federal delegation that maybe are pushing some of the stuff behind the scenes. So your vote does matter, but I would say, I mean, stay involved. Make sure the governor's office still hears from you. Make sure my office is still hearing from you. Contact Senator Daines. Contact Senator Tester and let him know what we think about this because he needs to hear it the most. Uh, you know, they, he, if anyone's got the Biden administration's ear, it's John Tester. Again, for more information on this story and all of the headlines that have uh, gone along with uh, this very delicate story that impacts so many landowners, farmers and ranchers in central and north central Montana, make sure and check us out online at Western Ag Network. Dot com. Well, hey, as I mentioned, uh, Russell Limits is on vacation, but uh, we are joined today by one of our friends in the broadcast industry, Mr. Jason Laird joins us. Of course, he is the new voice of Camo in Radio 560, that is. Jason, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Well, uh, we uh, we truly appreciate you teaming up with us here today. We we do want to give a shout out to Camo Win Radio. They are a flagship station for the Western Ag Network, and uh, Jason's going to chime in a little bit with us here today. And as I mentioned, give us a brief weather forecast as well at the end of our show. But uh, Jason, stand by. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And friends that are watching this stream, stay with us. We'll be back right after these words. Ready for a real PRF partner? He was willing to track us for a year and provide that data back to us for a year. That's a guy making a pretty big investment. At Ag Risk Advisors, this isn't our first rodeo. We are one of the most experienced in pasture rangeland forage. Honesty, commitment, trust. Many companies use these words. At Ag Risk Advisors, we earn them. Thank you. 
Again, a big shout out to our friends at AgRisk Advisors for their support of fence lines and headlines here today. And for more information, visit agriskadvisors.com. Well, as I mentioned, we have a guest host here with us here today, Mr. Jason Laird, the host of The Morning Show on 560 KMON. That's my hometown station. I get to listen to him every morning along with listening to myself as well. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, get to is the right uh, right answer there, Lane, but uh, yeah. We'll, we'll have it on in the background, right? <laughs> I, I, I get to listen to you, and I have the privilege of listening to Baker Bob. Your, oh, your, yes. Uh, yeah. It, your number two in command. So uh, let, let, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, uh, with, with with a little bit of your career here, you know, Jason, before maybe we talk. Well, we'll talk about your role at KMOM, but, uh, you know, you're, you're no stranger to uh, viewers and, and uh, listeners across Montana and the West. In fact, our viewers in Colorado maybe uh, used to be able to tune into uh, your TV reports down in uh, in, in Colorado. But uh, uh, how, how did you get your start in broadcasting? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I kind of stumbled into it. So fresh out of high school, you know, I literally started knocking on doors. I had this idea. I was like, gosh, you know, I, I love radio. I love listening to radio. So I just started knocking on doors and finally somebody was dumb enough to hire me and give me a, basically an internship, getting the real DJ's coffee, running the board for sports programs, that sort of thing. And that's kind of how I got my feet wet. And once I got into the broadcast industry, I was like, you know, I wanted to elevate my career and take it to the next level. And so I was like, well, logically, t uh, television is, is kind of the next stop, right? So went from radio into television. Uh, when I first started in TV, it was kind of the same thing, knocking on doors until somebody was dumb enough to hire me. And uh, that happened to be Q2 in, in Billings. Uh, when I first started at the TV station, I didn't really know where my fit was going to be. You know, I knew at some point I wanted to work to on camera work. Maybe that's reporting, maybe it's anchoring, maybe it's weather. I had no idea. Um, but I knew I kind of wanted to get some, some camera time and get in front of the camera at some point. Uh, and really what stumbled across was weather. You know, I came out of radio, so ad-libbing and talking to myself in a padded room was was totally justifiable. Uh, so it just so happened that the weekend weather gal was leaving, and there was an opening to, to try weather. So I, I took this old intro to meteorology book, and I read the thing cover to cover and started studying. I was like, gosh, you know, this is this is actually pretty interesting. I really, really enjoy weather. So that's when I started going to school for it. Uh, went to Mississippi State, got my broadcast meteorology certificate, and uh, kind of the rest is history. And yeah, as you mentioned, Lane, um, you know, went from Billings down to Colorado, worked in Colorado Springs for a couple of years, both in television and radio, got out of the business for a while, stayed in it kind of part-time, you know, just doing some stuff on the side, but uh, got out of it for a while. Opportunity opened up to come back to Montana in Gray Falls and that's what brought me back here doing TV weather for a while, got out of television, and now, as you mentioned, back in radio uh, for Heritage Station here in Great Falls, which I'm super excited to be a part of. And, you know, I was just looking up um, the dates here the other day, and 75 years old. Can you believe that, Lane? Like, literally, wow. KMON, yeah, they, they. it's actually a little bit older than that, but we officially got KMON as call letters in February of 1948. So uh, over 75 years, KMON has been on the, sta uh, been on the airwaves broadcasting all throughout north central montana so it's really humbling and really cool to be part of a legacy egg radio station like that and, and you know jason we, we've talked a lot about especially in, in, in radio and especially especially the farm broadcasting realm just the significance of am radio stations you bet uh, that, that that's been a, a top uh, headline for mainstream media as well right. but out in central montana and uh how many well first off how many counties uh, oh my gosh! KMON. It's is it um, over thirty or thirty-eight? You it, know, I've got somewhere in there. Yeah, I've got the coverage map pulled up here because I knew I was going to have a question like that. And to put in perspective, like our signal, so we're based out of Great Falls, obviously, but our signal goes well past Helena, south, all the way over to Roundup, basically straight up to Glasgow, clear up into Canada, over to just about Kalispell. So basically, right along the Rocky Mountains there all the way south, you know, toward Fairfield, and then kind of jogs back over to Gray Falls. So I'm not even sure the total number of counties just in Montana, but um, it's it's basically almost all of north central Montana. And you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, you go out to a lot of these places. I mean, you know, our family farms up there in Liberty County, there's no cell service up in a lot of these parts. You know, there's no other way to get your information. So, you know, when talking about having a source like ag radio and AM radio, it may seem old, it may seem antiquated, but there's really no other source of communication out there. There's no internet. 
you know, um, there's no cell phone signal. So, you know, AM radio is, is kind of it. And, uh, and that's, what's so cool about this is not only to be on a legacy station, but also a station that people rely on for news, weather, sports, ag information. And, you know, we try to throw a little entertainment in there too. So. Well, and I should point out, and this is not just a commercial for the radio station, <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, I, I, and again, I, I listen to all platforms. I, I listen to KMON on the AM, then I, you know, I'll turn on uh, Sirius XM as well, right, and, and go back and forth. But uh, you guys got a new translator, didn't you? And, and honestly, we did. It, it sounds like an FM station. Yes, we did get a brand spanking new transmitter. Um, we've had a couple of trouble with it. That last storm that came through, it's not the actual transmitter, but we did have another little part break. So what people don't understand a lot of times is AM radio switches at night. So during the day, we have this huge signal, and then at night, it powers down. And to nerd out a little bit about meteorology and atmospheric conditions, we won't go down the rabbit hole, but atmospheric ch uh, conditions change at night. So it allows for an AM signal to travel further. So the FCC, depending on your license, makes you power down. So during the day, we have one antenna. At night, we actually have two directional antennas that point that signal in different directions, basically one going north, one going south. And uh, the last little storm system that we had through, I don't know if it took a lightning strike. I don't know the exact part that broke, but uh, we've had a little bit of trouble getting that signal south. Um, but yes, you did hit the nail on the head. We got a brand new transmitter. People don't understand those things are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So, uh, it's really cool to, to have one. We've kind of been joking that the old one was literally held together with, you know, duct tape and bailing twine. <laughs> that's, that's not far from, far from the truth. So yes, we did get a new transmitter sounding good and, uh, and it's only going to get better as we continue to tune it and it breaks in. It's only, only going to get better and have a better signal. Jason, again, 75 years with the call letters camo in, and there's been some pretty legendary oh broadcasters gosh. on yes. camo in. And, uh, you know, I, I think grassroots gold, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Dave Wilson, you bet. With Dave Wilson and whatnot. Uh, and uh, what, what does that mean to you, though? I mean, because so many people, like I pointed out, uh, the, uh, these new auto manufacturers, they want to push AM radio out uh, right. of these vehicles and 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 whatnot. But it truly is a, a lifeline for so many people. But it's a safety precaution a, as well. Right. But uh you know, 75 years of, uh, you know, being a voice for central Montana, North central Montana. What, what does that mean to you to come into this role and, and kind of help lead that legacy and, and keep agriculture on people's minds, even if they live in great falls or Lewistown and, and, and they, they have an office job, but maybe they grew up on a farmer ranch or maybe they've never been on a farmer ranch. Maybe it's somebody at Malmstrom that uh, just wants to know, you know, what, what, what goes on in, in right. agriculture in the state of Montana in particular. What, what does that legacy mean to you? Well, I mean, first of all, it's just incredibly humbling. I mean, even just hearing you talk about it, you know, I get it sounds corny, but I, I get shivers just thinking about it. And honestly, I mean, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to fill the shoes that of, of the legacy individuals that have been at that station. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, Dave Wilson, Wilson, um, you know, Skip, Skip Walters, uh, you know, Sarge, there's been huge names on KMON over the years that have really like carried it on. So, I mean, be able to have this opportunity to be on such a legacy station, carry on that legacy is, it's incredibly humbling. You know, it's exciting. It's fun. It's humbling. Um, it's being part of something that is most definitely bigger than yourself. And I think that's, what's so cool about it. You know, I mean, I, I go back to, you know, my family and families that have been in Montana for, you know, 100 plus years, right? These legacy farm and ranch families. And to think that this radio station has been part of their lives for decades is absolutely incredible. And uh, and just being part of carrying that into the next generation is is so important to us. And that's something we take very, very seriously at the radio station. You know, there's, there's been some changes we've made since I've taken over that morning show to really make sure that everything we do, agriculture is the core of that station, right? You know, yes, we're going to have politicians and yes, we're going to have interviews. Yes, we're going to have various content, but I really want to make sure that no matter what we do, the farmer and the rancher out there is going to get value in what we do and see value in what we do and really make sure that we're providing the information they need to, you know, live the best life they possibly can in, in agriculture. So that's something we take very seriously. And I want to make sure that no matter what we do, agriculture is at the core of that radio station. 
Well, I know uh, our viewers and listeners, uh, if uh, this is their hometown station, a regional station, they, they appreciate that. And, you know, for all the other states that Western Ag Network covers, we, we know that all those local uh, affiliates that we have really are the backbone of our communities that, that keep the information flowing and really support all these communities and, and all the events that they have. So, a tip of the hat to you, Jason, and the crew <laughs> there you. at Camoen, and and congrats again. And you know, we try to share all that information that impacts all farmers and ranchers, regionally, state specific. And I know you really help uh, focus that on that that the the local and county level type of things that's yes. going on. But one of those issues that everybody has talked about for so many years is the waters of the U.S. And uh, Jason, you've probably heard this on our reports at least four or five times this week but uh uh just this week the biden administration announced that uh, that uh, new revised waters of the u.s rule you know farmers and ranchers and landowners have been frustrated with this and and they're still frustrated they say with the biden administration's latest rule uh the administration of course was forced to update the controversial biden WOTUS rule because the u.s supreme court altered how the epa determines what water is jurisdictional under the Clean Water Act? Back in May, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled the significant nexus test was unlawful, among other items. And earlier this week, we caught up with Wyoming Farm Bureau President Todd Pornstrom, who says farmers and ranchers are still not pleased with the changes. They obviously are in a hurry to get some uh, federal control over of, of waters that are already regulated by local local government. Uh, whether it be county or state, uh, they just want to get their hands on control. I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't see it any other way. Uh, you know, they, they did this rule today without any further comment, which is a little bit of a backdoor. And, uh, you know, we've said all along what water is, what water, the water that's not regulated by the EPA is already regulated by the state state of Wyoming, state of Nebraska, state of California. And we all have to come up to a minimum standard before the EPA uh, goes along with our with our regulations. So I, I, I don't quite understand why they think they have to be the one in charge. The EPA removed the term significant nexus in the WOTUS rule in its latest revision after the Supreme Court in May declared unconstitutional the jurisdictional test that has been the subject of intense opposition and litigation for nearly a decade. And and what they have done with the, the, the rule from what we can tell so far is they've they've addressed some of the things, the main, uh, you know, the, the nexus of, of all the, the waters that are connected to navigable waters. They've thrown that out of their reg. And that's really all they've changed. So they really haven't affected any of the rest of their rule that was thrown out altogether. And while farmers and ranchers uh, remain frustrated over these changes, President Biden's Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack this week said he believes that the EPA and the Army Corps are just following the directive set out by the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, the, 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 you know, let's be fair to the EPA on the, on the WOTUS rule. Essentially, they made an effort. The court gave them instructions, and they recently come out and complied with the court's instructions. So it's now providing uh, farmers with uh, the predictability and stability and, and responded to some of the concerns that were most uh, top of mind by farmers in the Farm Bureau, for example. That's been, been, been handled by the court uh, and a revised rule that's got, that's, that I think they announced today. Again, uh, Jason, a, a very uh, sensitive topic for, for so many farmers and ranchers out in the countryside. And, and I just think this is probably going to continue to be a court battle over the next few weeks. But uh, important information for, for all of our audience members out there. Oh, incredibly important information. I mean, and that's what, so what, you know, what is so valuable about having, you know, you as the Western Egg Network on KMON as well is to be able to, you know, communicate that, that, the news and the hard news details on that. So, no, I totally agree. It's going to be a longstanding issue, I think. And, uh, you know, water is everything with agriculture, not only for production, but also transportation. And that is true. And as we always say, uh, uh, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting. And, and actually, that's a little bit of a preview uh, th this <laughs> next week. Uh, 
Russell Nimitz and Paul Humphrey and I, we're going to be out in Pendleton, Oregon. We're going to be letting her buck, as uh, it says on the Pendleton whiskey bottles, but uh, we're going to be attending the Public Lands Council annual meeting. So, friends, if you're tuned in right now, we'll have more coverage throughout next week and, and of course, on our fence lines and headlines. But, uh, again, Jason Laird is joining us here today. Uh, he will be sharing a, a, a quick weather update to, in our our final half of today's program. But, uh Jason, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to talk about tractors before we talk about your weather. Are you okay talking about tractors? 100%, especially the scale of tractors that we're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about toy tractors, but we could. We, we, <laughs> well, we could. you know, there, there's some pretty cool ones out there, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, friends, stick with us. We're going to be back with uh, Jason Laird, and we're going to talk about something big. That's a tractor named Bud. We'll be back right after these words. When it comes to the beef business... There's no room for gray area. The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. As we return back to our Fence Lines and Headlines program here today, if you haven't done so yet, make sure and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, the Western Ag Network YouTube channel. Follow us, like us on Facebook, and also there on uh, Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Jason, what what what, what do you call it? Do you call it X? Or do you I call, call it, it a train wreck. That's what oh. I call it. I, I don't even know what it is anymore. It's like trying to keep up with all the social headlines. is It's a full-time job in itself. Well, that's like threads or whatever, you know, oh, how yeah, that's... if you were on Instagram or Facebook, you could just set up an account and made it seem like you had all these followers. Right. But, I mean, I've posted three total things on threads and we have sure. a Western Egg Network threads just because you need to be in that area. But I, I, I have no interaction from my audience. But uh, um, yeah, I just uh, always find that very interesting to to see what's new. And, and uh, we don't even do TikTok because, of course, TikTok is it's illegal still. It's, I know. It, can you uh, can you use it in Montana? I, don't, I know you guys I don't have know. talked about that. I never had it before it became illegal in Montana to use. So yeah, no, same here. I I never had it. I've uh, never downloaded. I'm, now I'm kind of curious because I still we were talking about I live down in Colorado, and I've never strategically changed my number, my area code back to Montana. So I'm curious if I could get away with it, if I could still have TikTok because I have an out of state area code, but I don't know if that would work or not. <laughs> I, I was ignored your numbers before i saved your number on my phone yeah so i figured this, as much yeah this out of state no <laughs> <laughs> took me at least three phone calls to get a hold of you so yeah 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 we uh, jason and i just met here this week if, if oh yeah never met him before in my tell. life yeah. yeah but uh you know jason um we're not talking about toy tractors here today, even though uh, many uh, of our viewers maybe had one of these tractors in a smaller scale back in the day. Um, Big Bud, uh, it, that's just such a icon of Montana. And earlier this year, we did report that the return of the king is coming. And of course, that being the Big Bud tractor. And this is something that we've talked about quite some time. We covered the construction expo in Las Vegas earlier this year where the uh, the model of the new Big Bud was unveiled. And uh, folks at the recent Farm Progress show got to see the new model of the Big Bud that's going to be manufactured right on Montana's High Line in Haver, Montana. Our friend, Mr. Chad Colby, was on hand for this year's Farm Progress show. And he shares more from one of the fan favorites, of course, that being the Big Bud there in Decatur, Illinois. This past week in Decatur, Illinois, the site of the 2023 Farm Progress Show, there was a lot of great new technology on display. Some for the very first time, Case IH had their new Steiger, John Deere had some new balers. I could go on and on and on about all this great new equipment. But one attraction got a lot of looks, and that was, for the first time in 40 years, as most of you have already heard, Big Bud is going back into production. At the Titan International booth, the makers of the Goodyear Farm Tire, they had one of these pre-production models on display. And every time I went by this booth, there were constantly people looking at this tractor, taking pictures. Is it because it's an iconic tractor? Certainly to some degree, yes, but to the bigger point, this tractor is for sale now. You can buy it. 
They are already taking orders and have plenty of orders for next year. In fact, they're doubling production in 25. As you walked around this tractor, you could tell it was a pre-production model. If you don't know a lot about it, it draws on its heritage. This is a tractor with a big hydraulic tilt hood and cab. You can get right at it. This has a Caterpillar driveline, extremely heavy duty and overbuilt. It's designed for one particular job, and that is to last a long time, just like Big Buds have done since they began a long, long time ago. They took a 40-year break, but a lot of those tractors are still in the field, as we all know. At this farm show, it's a little unique because there's nothing like it in the world where they do have outdoor demonstrations. And you can bet at the 2024 Farm Progress Show, which will be in Boone, Iowa, by the way, well, hopefully we'll get a chance to see this tractor in the field. We know there's customers that are going to take delivery of this tractor early next year. I can tell you this, the field demos at the Farm Progress Show are outstanding. And we all kind of can't wait until we see this new big bud in the field soon, because we know it's going to happen. You can find out more about Big Bud and get all your questions answered at BigEquipment.com. I'm Chad Colby for the Western Ag Network. Again, uh, you can get those orders in. Just contact Big Equipment Sales there in Haver. And, and Jason, it, I, I always almost wreck or give myself whiplash when I see a big bud along the road or, or farming or whatnot. Because growing up, it was just that lore that they don't make these anymore. And right. they're, they're the best tractors ever. And did, did your family ever own a big bud up there in Chester? Not to my knowledge, no. Um I was trying to think about that when you mentioned it. Obviously, there's a ton of them on the High Line, and I've done enough, you know, egg stories over the years with folks that have big bud. But I don't, I don't know that any of the Lairds had big buds up there. But yet, yet, <laughs> yeah. Now that they're coming back, you never know, right? But no, there's something impressive about those things. It just, I mean, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Every time you drive by and you see one, it's just like, or when you're cruising up by big equipment on the way to Haver, there you do one of the, you know, whiplash deals. So I totally understand. Well, and obviously this is newer, newer equipment, newer technology that's going into to the construction uh, and build of these new big buds. But uh, one of the big talking points that uh, uh, owner of uh, big equipment sales, Ron Harmon, really emphasizes that producers can work on these uh, tractors. Uh, so, so much of the time we, we've covered quite a bit about uh, uh, efforts to have uh, a right to repair legislation right. uh, that, that failed in Montana, passed in Colorado's legislature this year. It's just a big talking point, especially when you're broke down. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there there's pros and cons to both arguments. But just knowing that if you are broke down, <laughs> you might be able to work on it yourself. So no I, I'm excited. I haven't seen the new model in person. I've just been in awe watching these videos and, and, and watching all these people react. And again, the, the, this is the model. Um, they're going to be rolling those out here very soon. Uh, but uh, hopefully, uh, I, I, maybe Russell Nimitz and I can both sit on the buddy seat on, on one of these <laughs> new ones. Both of us are. I'll sit on his lap, or he can sit on my lap. There you and, go, and, and take a take a take a spin in that. But uh, it truly not. not and, and we're both Montana boys, so we get excited when we see it. But uh, so many tractor enthusiasts are excited to see. I, again, as I, I kind of stole that from, we've been watching a lot of Lord of the Rings here lately, the return of the King. Cause I, I truly think this is just one of those, um, you know, outstanding tractors that it, it lives in mythology almost. It, it really does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotten Montana written all over it, obviously, you know, and that's what I, I think that's what like settles in with me more than anything is the fact that, you know, it is, it's basically a Montana native as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yep. Well, again, it's going to be great to, to see these new big buds roll off the line and, uh, you know, getting ready for, uh, for, for planting and, and working those fields. It's going to be again, pretty cool to see these brand new ones out off the line, but you know, Jason, a uh, few months ago, you and I caught up and we were really talking about that, uh, the forecast for the year and whatnot, and, and things have been pretty good for producers so far this year. And, you know, I will say the smoke has kind of went away. I, I was not a fan of the of the wind that we had the last few days. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I guess you are a meteorologist as well. And so that really goes hand in hand for you being able to communicate with the farmers and ranchers when you're talking on KMON. I think they can really appreciate that insight. Uh, for me, I, I, I look at the temperature gauge and say, oh, it's it's cold, it's windy out. Uh, right. Uh, we got grasshoppers, whatnot. But uh, 
I, I guess if you're up for it, you know, what, yeah. what are we looking like uh, All right. when we're looking at the short-term weather forecast? Well, I always equ uh, equate weather forecasting to being like a stockbroker lane. I'm usually the last one to know what it's going to do. Uh, and I will say I'm a little bit out of practice. Obviously, we take a really heavy weather focus on the KMON morning show. Um, you know, I try to elaborate on the forecast a little bit, not just give you, you know, your highs and your lows and uh, it's going to be windy. It's going to be this, that or the other. I really try to give you a little bit more substance and let you know how it's going. How, how are we sitting on time lane? First of all, do well, we need we're to find yeah. we good? OK, I wasn't sure I, if I, I needed need to set to a church yet. No, we're perfect. Good. OK, well, that's good. Uh, probably get hit with a lightning bolt if he came in. So, all right. So let me see if I can't share my screen here real, real quick. Like, um, oh boy, gives me a whole bunch of them here. Let's do entire screen. I think that would be the way to go. All right. Let me know if that comes up. Okay. For you. I just got to add you in. Perfect. Okay. All right. Go. There we go. Okay, so what we're going to start with here is just kind of over the next couple of days as we head through, you know, Labor Day and first part of next week and whatnot, um, just kind of give you an idea of how things are are shaping. And and really, anytime you're forecasting the weather, there's a lot going on on this map. So don't get too worried about it. We're going to kind of break it down. So um, I think my mouse shows up okay there, it looks like. So kind of keep your eye on this area where my mouse is here. What we've got on going on is a pretty decent little chunk of low pressure uh, off the Pacific coast. And what it's doing is it's causing a bit of a dip, dip in the jet stream, some colder air pocketed in there and it's also hooking on to some moisture so again we're sitting uh today later this afternoon into the evening and as i take this out you're going to notice here pretty dry through the weekend uh we're sitting into saturday now we're into sunday sunday night into monday this is why i always joke and say mother nature has one heck of a sense of humor because of course we're all off work so what are we going to be out doing trying to have a little bit of fun and boom there comes that next little system so you really just notice that that area of low pressure right there moves inland Pretty aggressive little area of low pressure. And it's just going to pull some moisture up. I don't think we're going to have a real super soak or anything like that. I think these models might be a little bit over-exaggerated in terms of how much we're going to get. But look at that. There's even a little snow in there over the mountains. So it uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be out of the question to see a little bit of snow in the mountains. But really going to probably see a little bit of rain move in. Again, that is going to be Sunday night into Monday, right on track with Labor Day. And then that system's going to move out pretty darn quickly and open things up. But Again, I'm a little bit out of practice in terms of, you know, weather forecasting long term. Uh, I'm more of a day to day media. They call it operational meteorology. I'm by no means a climatologist, but uh, I know enough to be somewhat dangerous in terms of uh, long term forecasting. So if you've heard me talk with Lane before, or you've seen any of my presentations, we really like to focus in on sea surface temperatures. So again, going back over to the graphics here uh, in terms of sea surface temperatures right now, earlier this year, into the North Pacific, we had a pocket of colder air. That's called, the, this area right here is called the PDO, Pacific Decadal Oscillation. And that colder water is what helped keep us wet and cool for the first half of the summer. And as soon as that cold water started to dissipate, that's when we got really, really hot. Now, where I was wrong this summer was I thought that was going to dissipate a lot quicker. Um, we, we transitioned from uh, La Nina into El Nino very, very quickly, but we kind of held on to that colder water off of the North Pacific. So that's what kept us cooler, kept the rain coming in, which I don't think anybody's complaining about. I mean, yeah, we might see a little bit lower protein levels because we didn't have that heat spike, you know, right before harvest. But I think everybody really appreciated the rain. But you'll notice right here off of the California coast here, this little pocket of water, what that's been doing for us is feeding a little bit of moisture into the California region and what they call like a monsoonal flow. So that's where we've seen some of the recent moisture coming through Montana. You get that area of low pressure off the Pacific, and it's been helping draw a little bit of that monsoonal flow off of the California coast. So that's going to be what's feeding our weather here over the next couple of days. Uh, you'll also notice we mentioned the La Nina versus the El Nino. We are full-blown El Nino now. Um, I always like to say when we're talking weather forecasting long-term, transition periods are the best for weather because what happens is you don't have any real major dictators of your weather forecast, right? So if you're heavy La Nina, certain things are going to happen. If you're heavy uh, El Nino, certain things are going to happen. But those transition periods are your best years because the atmosphere is just free-flowing, right? Nothing's, nothing's stopping it. And that, again, is what we saw for a good chunk of our summer until we started to hit El Nino really, really hard. That's when he got hot and dry really, really quickly. Um, so, again, as we go back to the graphics here, uh, over the next couple of um, months, we'll call it, really the take-home message is going to be El Nino is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So as we look, I know this is a little bit dinky. I wonder if I can blow it up. There we go. Okay. So this first one we're looking at right here, this is just a, a real basic 
El Nino, La Nina forecast over the next couple of months. So if you look down here, it looks kind of funky here, but it's just basically um, July, August, September, August, September, October, September, October, November. Uh, and, and this forecast that you're looking at here is a combination of forecast models and what actual human forecasters think it's going to do. And I always like to show both because sometimes they're completely different. Sometimes the models are saying one thing and actual humans are saying a complete different thing. But as you notice, El Nino pretty much here to stay as we head through the next couple of months. This one right here is just the strictly model-based forecast, okay? Um, the IRI. So in other words, there's not a lot of difference between the two of them. You'll notice pretty much hanging on to El Nino at least into the first part of next year. I'm st I don't know that it's going to fade that particularly quickly. Um, some of these forecast models, again, fading it spring of next year. I don't know if that's actually going to be the thing. And then we always like to show you this, you know, um, not to really go down the, the bandwagon too much of how things trend, but I always just like to show folks everything is relative. Everything is trending, right? So we've been in the La Nina last couple of years. It was a little bit rare for us to have that, that triple dip, uh, that double to triple dip, but here we are spiking right back into El Nino. Okay, so to kind of give you a little bit of answers as to what I'm talking about here, um, what El Nino means for our winter months. Again, this, I'm not going to really give you a definitive forecast. I'm going to give you a little bit what I'm looking at and what is going to play into our winter weather forecast. So if you just, you know, keep it super, super basic, a neutral pattern. In other words, if we're not in El Nino or La Nina, we're just neutral pattern. Those are going to be our coldest and wettest winters, generally here in Montana. Uh, you have a really strong Pacific jet. You have that cold air dropping down out of Canada, so on and so forth. Here's kind of a nice little comparison. It's overly simplified, though. You'll see these graphics all the time. People are like, oh, okay, well, if we have an El Nino, that means it's going to be, you know, a little bit wetter in the Pacific Northwest, more mild into Montana, and then most of the moisture is going to stay to our south. That's not always the case, right? It, it, there's a million different factors that play into it. And the one that I'm really keeping my eye on, we talked about it this summer and it actually panned out pretty well for us, is this quasi-biennial oscillation. All this is is upper-level winds along the equator about where the stratosphere is, okay? This summer, we were positive. Now, we're into a negative phase. Positive phase is westerly winds. We like that in the summertime because it helps draw that moisture in off the coast. However, going into the wintertime, we like it to be negative because what it does, it, it, they're easterly winds, and it causes your, um, let me see, I think I got it on this graphic here. Um, okay, so this isn't the exact graph, it's somewhere on here. Basically, what an easterly wind does for you is it causes your polar vortex to be a little bit weaker. And I'm trying to find, I thought I had a better little graphic in here, the polar vortex. There we go. Okay, so this kind of breaks it down a little bit. And I really recommend checking out this website. It's severe-weather.eu. Uh, they have one of the best descriptions of this whole quasi-biennial oscillation thing. The Really, the take-home message here, there's a lot of factors that go into weather. But I think that this one is going to be a big one going into winter. So... We're in a negative phase. In other words, easterly winds, right? What easterly winds tend to do is they cause that polar vortex, I'll spit it out here, to not be as strong. It's going to break down a little bit. What that does is it allows for colder air to drop down over Montana, okay? We're not going to get the extreme cold like what we would with a westerly phase. In other words, a positive uh, Q, um, QBO. Positive QBO is going to strengthen the polar vortex. It's going to remain stronger. It's going to remain further north. And when that happens, if it does drop south, it is insanely cold and it stays insanely cold for a period of time. Whereas if that polar vortex is a little bit weaker, we get kind of these waves like warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, cold, kind of more fluctuating. Okay. So then to backtrack a little bit, if you take that colder air and we hang on to this little bit of monsoonal flow, right? I'm kind of anticipating that our winter is going to be a little bit more on the mild side. It's going to be kind of more of the trendy, the warm, cold, warm, cold thing. But I think we're going to be okay in terms of precipitation, right on track with average, maybe a little bit, little bit above. Um, I'm going to just start at the top here and just kind of run through this real quick. Some of these graphics, I know I'm going a little bit crazy with them because there's just a few of them that I wanted to, wanted to point out. Uh, but really, again, that take-home message is going to be the QBO this year. Again, that quasi biennial oscillation and and the fact that it's trended over to that negative phase. I think that that is going to open up the door for a little bit more 
um, mild weather for our winter, but yet still trend over to a little bit of, I thought I had another graphic in here, but I can't find the darn thing, um, trend over to a little bit more precipitation in our area. Um, so does that make any sense, Lane? That, I don't know if that made any sense or I, or I rambled on too long about that and, uh, and lost everybody. But um, I think the take-home message here is, again, we're going to have El Nino, no doubt about that. Um, the QBO is going to be in a negative phase, which is easterly winds that historically weakens the polar vortex, which you would think is potentially a good thing, uh, which it is for us, because again, we're not going to be as cold as we potentially could be if that whole chunk of cold air drops down, but it does open up the door for some of those pockets of colder air to mix in with a little bit of moisture coming in off of the, uh, the South Pacific, if that, that stays in place. So um, yeah, I don't know if that made a lot of sense or if I, if I squirreled out a little bit too much on you. No, I think, especially for our livestock producers that are, obviously we had pretty good, uh, hay crop, uh, this year for so many producers right. and after, you know, $250 hay the last few years of drought, uh, it, they'll still be feeding hay there. There's no doubt about that, but they might have some open, uh, a little bit of an open winter for some, some weeks it looks like, but, uh, definitely they're could be some severe weather that still comes with this as well, where, where you're going to be having to put some hay, hay to those cows. Uh, right. Yeah, right. And that's kind of the assumption I've read with a lot of the, a lot of the reading I've done on it, uh, that, uh, you're going to have some nice open periods, but also some severe weather along with that, right. uh, w with this type of El Nino pattern. Right. Yeah. I don't know that it's going to be crazy extreme. Again, if that polar vortex, in other words, just that basically chunk of cold air up north is not as tightly knit and strong. The good news behind that is, again, is it, it's not as extreme. So if it does drop south, uh, you're not going to get the extreme, extreme cold. Whereas, you know, if that thing continues to strengthen and then it moves south, like we had it happen last year, it gets dang cold when that happens. Um, so, yeah, so I think for the livestock guys, yes, you're going to have some snaps of cold. Yes, you're going to have some snaps of moisture. But I think for the most part, it's going to be a pretty average year. I, I don't anticipating it being, you know, above average in any category or certainly below average. You'll love it. Like any other weather guy, it's 50-50. <laughs> um, but, but again, yeah, I think that's going to be the, the big message this year is it's not going to be a typical stereotypical um, El Nino just because of that other factor that we're kind of keeping an eye on. And really the big thing is just keep an eye on uh, uh, sea surface temperatures. You know, if, if we continue to see warming sea surface temperatures down off of the South Pacific, that's all going to change. But if we hang on to that colder water off of the California coast, that will help to feed a little bit of moisture into our region. In other words, we'll get a little bit of a dip there and it'll kind of suck it north a little bit further. But if we lose that, then it could potentially dry up for us and stay a little bit, little bit more mild. So whenever you're looking at long range stuff, really look at the sea surface temperatures, look at El Nino, La Nina, um, upper level winds, the QBO, those are all things to kind of take into consideration. Well, Jason, thanks for, you know, uh, dusting off your meteorology <laughs> yeah. cap there for a little bit. I, yeah, I know you, you talk weather every day on KMOM, but the, the long term, I, I know you a little bit of, you're a little concerned about that, but I think you did a good job. Oh, well, front. thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, <laughs> it, again, it, as soon as you put your finger on something, that's when it changes. And for the most part, you know, we hit this summer on, on the head pretty well. As I mentioned, the, the area I went wrong is I thought we were going to get hotter quicker. You know, we just hung on to that cold water forever, even though we transitioned over to El Nino, which generally leads to the hotter summer. Um, the, the PDO off the North Pacific, we just hung on to it, right? Which again, nobody's complaining about because we needed the moisture, we needed the cooler weather. Um, but that's what kept us kept us cooler. So those are all factors that you got to look at. And again, they're always changing. But um, this winter really, again, just if, if I... If I had to put my finger on it, I think it's going to fluctuate quite a bit this winter, the warm, the cold, the warm, the cold. And I think we're going to be pretty on track with normal, maybe a little bit below on precipitation, maybe just a little bit above in terms of temperatures. But I think it's going to be a pretty stereotypical, stereotypical winter this year in Montana. Well, again, Jason Laird uh, has been our co-host here this morning on our fence lines and headlines uh, a morning host there at the camo n 560 uh radio station and, and jason uh, you've been on on air there for a few months now yeah i guess yeah. uh you know you play a lot of good country music in the mornings which is yep. which is really good sorry i have a hair on my microphone that's been oh no you're good 
Yeah, no, that, and that's Courtney one of the hair. things. Uh, yeah, got I know there's there's lab hair and you know what hair. I there's everything in here too. I totally get it. But no, and that's one of the things we brought back on the morning show. You know, the last couple of years, um, music was eliminated from the morning show, and not that we play a lot. You know, we still obviously have all the Western Ag reports in there, the Rodeo Road Show, sports, everything like that. But we thought, you know, we wanted to sprinkle a little bit of music back in there. And and I guess Lane, the best way I could describe what I want the morning show to feel like is I want it to feel like you're sitting at that local hole in the wall cafe in the middle of nowhere, just shooting the shooting the bull with, you know, a bunch of other farmers and ranchers. That's the feel I want out of the morning show. You know, we'll bring some folks in and chat with them on occasion. We'll play a couple of songs here and there, but just a little bit looser, but yet very informative radio show. That's kind of what we're going for, if that makes any sense at all. And how annoying is it when you have listeners text you with the correct answers to <laughs> trivia and, and things like that, that uh, <laughs> maybe just at a stoplight safely texting the, the morning host of a, of a radio show? Oh, it's totally fine. I'm, I'm more than used to it, to be honest with you. You know, it's like over the years, I have enough friends that, that listen to the program. Thankfully, you know, friends listen to the program. So uh, you're not the only one, Lane. We'll, we'll put it that way. I have other people... Uh, bugging me all morning long. If I'm really busy, I put my phone somewhere where I can't see it. We'll put it that way. So, well, good thing I have useless country music knowledge as well. So, oh, well, if you've listened to Bob and I, we're no better. I mean, golly, we go down the rabbit hole of Studio B in Nashville and, you know, various country singers and everything. So yeah, that's the problem. I got to rein in Bob, you know, gosh, he's, oh my God, he knows more country music history than I think I could ever dream of knowing. So between him, me, and then your feedback, you know, we, uh, <laughs> we pretty much got the whole gamut covered. Well, I, I one day I know Jeff Womack is going to be oh, boy. tuning in when you're not ready for it. And oh, uh, I know, I know. He uh, well, he's supposed to be in uh, Montana here this weekend. Believe it oh. or not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally spilling the beans on that, so all his, his stalkers can go find him down in Bozeman. Yeah, um, get get not well. I would pass him up to get his mom's autograph any day. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta meet Donna. Donna's an icon in the broadcasting industry. So Donna um, Kelly, yeah, yep. Donna Kelly. Gosh, she's been. You realize she was like one of the first anchors on CNN, mm-hmm. like the very first ones. Her and yep. her and uh, Jeff's dad actually. <laughs> so yeah, crazy world. Uh, uh, and uh, if anyone ever needs a tour of Nashville or the RFD TV oh. studios, just call yeah. up Jeff Womack. He will he will take you around in a golf cart or oh you bet or a Gator. I don't know what do you take you around in. Tell you yeah, the truth, but, probably uh, all of the above. I uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to digest all of the useless knowledge I learned last time I was down there and got the uh, the penny tour of of Nashville because I mean I and I'm not joking about this. If a country music artist peed on the side of the street somewhere. He knows about it and will take you there. And that's a true story. Brett Eldridge, I think it was, peed on the side of a building. And there is a sign there that says it. And he'll take you there and show you. I mean, the useless knowledge you never thought you'd ever need until you go to Nashville. Minnie Pearl did shots of tequila right here. (laughs) Literally. Literally. This song was, yeah, (laughs) this song was written in this building on this day. It's like... Too much, too much. Uh, Well, again, Jason, thanks for joining us here today. And again, for our viewers and listeners, join us here on Fence Lines and Headlines. Uh, You can hear Jason every morning, weekday on 560 KMON. Your show, uh, 6 to 9 a.m., is that when the show runs? 6 to 9 is we're live. Yep, yep. I'm there a little bit longer than that, just, you know, updating news and weather and things like that. But, uh, yes, we're on on air live 6 to 9 Mm -hmm, for the morning show. Well, again, a big thank you to Jason for joining us here today. And for all of you for joining us here today, we we went through a lot, but uh, just a few of the headlines that we share on the Western Ag Network throughout the week. So if you haven't done so, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us, follow us on our Facebook pages, and also subscribe to the Lanecast Ag Podcast if you're listening to today's Fence Lines and Headlines. So I guess with that, Jason, thanks again for joining us. I appreciate you having me. Hopefully uh, we can do it again soon sometime. All right. Well, thanks, bud. And again, thank you all for joining us. I'm Lane Nordland for the Western Ag Network. We'll catch you next time.